Welcome to Jesus TV, Jesus in this mess. And we are back on, all three of us this time. Emily's joining us and she's getting her set up there in her art studio, her Jesus art studio, as I would like to call it. Um, I put Jesus as a modifier to everything in my life. And it's pretty blunt, uh, not very subtle. If I was an artist, it's just like, well, I guess I kind of am. I'm a performance artist. Jesus said, go down there and perform for the, and, uh, for the people. And uh, so I didn't know that. I was a performance artist. Um, but I'm many things from one day to the next. All right. Well, open forum. Sunday open forum. What, is, what do the peoples want to talk about? Art, for one. Emily's got, we saw this two weeks ago. She's working on this, uh, it's like a gear, the gear uh, picture. Jesus finally showed up in the gear. Um, in our last episode, uh, Jesus had her just take a little strip of wood that had a Jesus on there and stick it on there. And I liked it. Um, I've thought about doing the same thing for washers and dryers. It's just print out a big old poster and stick it on a washer and dryer and sell it as a Jesus washer and dryer. I want to colonize everything um, in, <clears throat> in homes. <laughs> like, well, your wife won't let you do that in your home? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Because I want to have a shower curtain that, that features Jesus. I want my toothbrush to have Jesus on it. Uh, I don't know that there's anything I don't want to what I would call recolonize. So colonizers, when they come, they'll start renaming things. So yeah, if you're if you're from England, you sometimes want to say, "Hey, I want to make this like England." So you you come in, and maybe the Indians are calling a certain area um, some Indian name, and you go. Well, I know that what the Indians call it, but I want to call it uh, New England. <laughs> yeah, let's call this place New England. Yeah, why? It reminds me of the place, dear old England, where we came from. And, and those bush over there, what do the Indians call that? You know what? I don't care what they call it. I'm going to call that Londonberry. Londonberry, New England. And then so you have this uh, repopulating, you're like, this reminds me of where I came from before. So what you have in colonizers is they're oftentimes trying to recreate. So they come from California. I'm coming to Utah. Guess what I want to do? I want to make Utah like where I came from <laughs> without the bad stuff. Um, and so colonization, when I started getting close to Jesus, he started helping me build a world. And I went and studied because Jesus told me to study colonization, 16th century colonization. And so that was implanted in my brain. I'd never thought of this before, but, and I'm not a big historian. So I went to BYU, talked to a historian, said, Hey, tell me a little bit about colonization. And um, there was some interesting insights and so forth. He had, he works down in the library uh, and it was kind of weird and awkward. The guy yeah, I don't know. It was just weird and awkward, but I can do weird and awkward as most people who watch me know, like, well, you're kind of weird and awkward. That's why I can do it. But I also sense that um, many times it feels kind of weird and awkward and it's not even comfortable for me to do, but I'll do what Jesus tells me to do. So what he puts into my heart to do. So yeah, Jesus, if you want that shower curtain to, uh, I don't know, have a big a manger scene is, is that what you want i'll do it just give me some money you probably need to give me some extra money and then uh negotiate that with my wife because when i start saying that well what i hope is that uh, my wife will paint something and then now we have all these print things you can you can colonize rather than just have a white shower curtain you can um take um i can take a picture of what emily's doing right there take a picture of it and i guarantee you that i could 
print out a shower shower curtain and uh, get one of those Jesus shower curtains by next week uh, or the week after, because you can order such things now. We live in a society where it's going to be much easier to create your world or to colonize your own your own place. But yeah, that's um, been of particular interest to me because that's what I'm doing to my own life. Is like looking at my life like. Ah, uh, there's not enough Jesus anymore in here. There used to be. I'm like, fine, yeah, I've got enough Jesus. But he put a hunger in me for more Jesus, um, kind of like colonizers, 16th century colonizers. You know what? England's been a little small. Let's go over and take some some more land over there. No one's doing anything with this. Well, there's some Native Americans or there's some indigenous people. Yeah, but let's see if they want to give us some stuff. Hey, here's some guns or here's some liquor. Or here's some blankets that may have diseases. Can we have that? And then they're like, sure. It's like, what does that mean? Can I have that? They'll later find out what it means. Um, oh, so you guys now think you own this? No, we don't. We don't know about ownership. Or of course they did, but anyhow, not going deep deeper into that. But um, when I look at uh, Emily's art there. I know she's colonizing a board, a board that very few people knew was going to turn into Jesus. So I see a little bit of colonization. Now, colonization, when I started talking this way, my friend got all freaky. <laughs> He's, he, he, he said, that's a, that's a loaded word. That has negative connotations, Greg. I said, yeah, it does. But guess what Jesus is going to do? He's going to colonize this whole earth. Maybe we could use a different term. He's going to um, marry it. He's going to uh, love on it. Jesus is going to come and love on the earth. He says, okay, you guys haven't been loving enough, and I know what it needs, a little bit of fire here. So different ways, but basically outsiders who come in, you're like, well, isn't it Jesus's world? So he's not really an outsider, but he will be received as an outsider. He was when he first came, and the same thing, like, uh-oh, here comes this guy, and He's bringing a kingdom, and he's going to start calling things by other names. I I imagine because he's already doing it in my life. Um, so we've got a mountain over here in Spring City, and the locals call it uh, Horseshoe Mountain or the Shoe. But Jesus told me that's Jesus Mountain. At least that's what I imagine or believe. And um, yeah, it quite it caused quite a stir when I let everybody know that uh, the uh, Zion Recolonization Committee, I put this on Facebook, the Recolonization Committee is considering, we're open to public input um, and seeking public input, but this uh, mountain's going to get renamed. It's going to be called Jesus Mountain. What do you guys think of that? Oh my goodness. They, there was a firestorm. Um, and, and who's this committee? Um, and uh, it, it went all the way to the governor, actually, because my friend uh, who isn't a close friend, but still friendly. He was in my ward. He has a friend. He's friends with the governor. And the governor says, that's not going to happen, I can assure you. So it was so funny um, to see that play out because there's just people up in arms. I mean, uh, it was just amazing. Um, and so I, um, Jesus said, play nice. And so I said, the uh, Zion Recolonization Committee has received input. We decided that the official name can be Horseshoe Mountain, but the unofficial name is Jesus Mountain. So those who want to call it Jesus Mountain are free to do so, which I will be doing. Um, and um, so there are people who still remember that. But it, it was a foreshadow of what's coming, <laughs> because that's always what comes, is you'll have people separate, and then they'll start changing the names. I don't know what a woman is. You're going to find a definition. I bet you are, because you're going to change a culture. So um, language, you know, in the beginning was the word, but um, that's what oftentimes one of the first things you start colonizing is words. You're like, uh, we're going to be speaking English, whatever, you know, and, and of course you'll learn the native's language, not because that's going to become the dominant language. No, just to manage as you take their stuff, <laughs> you know, because that's what Jesus is doing to me. He's taking me. He's taking me over. 2015, he came down. Guess what he did? He colonized me. And he's coming for all of you. 
all you lost sheep. Um, you can't escape from Jesus. There's no retreat. Um, try to run fool away from him. Jesus took the punishment for all your sins. And he loves you and he loves me. So, no, he's coming after you and you're going to get recolonized. And he'll stay at it for eternity. He'll just keep coming and coming until you're one with him. Now, that sounds kind of scary and nasty, but that's just because we're like little kids. We're afraid, oh, the boogeyman's coming. Who's the boogeyman? Jesus. He's coming, and he's, he has a stated purpose. He told his father, I want them to be one, like I'm one in you. What if they don't want to? Well, just be patient. <laughs> and so, anyhow, there's different ways to look at Jesus. And if you were uh, <laughs> afraid of him, it would look like colonization, 16th century colonization. We were just minding our own business, and over here come some Quakers, and we didn't really see what was going on. We, we couldn't see the end game, so we were trying to be nice to them. <laughs> we didn't know they were gonna, their people were going to take over all these lands as far as you can see, and, um, but they didn't know the Book of Mormon, that there's a promised land, and you guys weren't worshiping God, so he's a colonizer. Okay, enough of that. I wanted to see what you guys thought of the Jesus colonization framework. I'll let Emily go first. You're going to let me go first. I was going to say, I'm going to let you go first. But, um, <laughs> well, at first, when you started talking about colonization, like where you named things, like where you said, like, you know, like New England or something like that, it actually reminded me of, well, it's like kind of like here on earth. I've always felt like I, I still remember being a kid and growing up in church. And, and one of them was uh, one of like my uh, church teachers or seminary teacher or something was like, well, what do you think the purpose of life is? And I was like, I think it's just to remember and find out who you really are. Like you're just trying on this journey of discovery. And I remember them being like, no, yeah, that's not it. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, that's not the answer. Yeah. And I was like, well, I still think that though. And I've still like held on to that since I was like 15 or something, because I still think it is a journey of like discovery and remembering. But first, when you were talking about colonization, the whole idea of naming things after what they were before, right? So yep. the whole idea of um, here's where we like came new, from. Yeah, here's that's right. Where we came from. This is where we are now. So like when um, so like when I paint Jesus and stuff, I've kind of I noticed started to get like a. I didn't used to have one where they all look the same, but they're kind of starting all to look the same. Um, but I, it's not. Well, I don't. I don't honestly think it's what Jesus looks like, but it's what he feels like to me. Um. But it's kind of the same idea. For me, it's like colonization. It's like I'm trying to remember like this is new Jesus. Not saying that Jesus is different, but to me, I'm trying to remember where I came from. And so I think when, when you're uh, colonizing like New York, right, or in these other areas, you're trying to remember where you came from, like your homeland. Um, and there's a, that's the aspect of colonization that I picked up on. But then the more you started talking, the more I was like, oh, man, they're coming in and they're destroying everything. So, uh, <laughs> and Jesus is going to too. I mean, if you look at the, the end game, he'll just destroy yes, the wicked stuff. Yeah. Well, it's not just that, because I think we've talked about this before, but also to come closer to Jesus, it's like you do kind of get destroyed. Yes, you're getting like, it. Your life exactly. gets destroyed. Yeah. Is that what you're trying to say? Because that's not what I thought of at first. I was like, at first, I thought you made it sound like a bad thing, but oh, it is kind at... of a bad thing. But it's yeah. like a good thing, but also a bad thing. It's oh, like yeah. you weren't ready for Jesus, so you had to, or you wanted to become like Jesus, and so part of it had to be, had to be destroyed. Yeah, well, and, and, and it, um, so the scriptures teach us that the natural man is an enemy to God. All right. Well, we're that's what we are. So fundamentally, we're not like God humans. That was Jesus. We're kind of like human, and then secondarily. Uh, spiritual beings. Now, I realize the spiritual part of us is, should be really important, but the dominant thing here, I don't have power against um, my death and so forth. Well, you could have had more faith. No, that first, uh, one of the first impressions you get um, when you come down on earth is like, I'm hungry, I want to eat. I'm going to scream until I get something. And and it it's really hard to manage this creature um, and this creature, though, is an enemy 
naturally. If you just like do what's natural, Greg, you can trust that. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I, I should just do what's natural. Well, guess what would come natural to me? The same thing that would come natural to other animals. And that would be good because animals are wonderful. Yeah, sometimes they are, but they tend to do what they want to do. Um, <laughs> well, that's fun, <laughs> right? And then here comes an invisible God saying, yeah, stop doing all the things you think are fun. You think stealing things are fun? Because I got cats who will steal stuff from other cats. Um, you think killing's fun? Because I got cats that just go kill things. You know, they don't go, oh, little bit cute mouse. That's a cute mouse. That's a tasty mouse. They'll eat it. And so we, of course, it's the big human struggle. And so what, um, what does God want? He says it pretty clear. Give up your life. Now, he's not going to take it per se, but he's telling you give up your life. Um in order to find your life, or in other words, to join my kingdom. And so that's not very natural. He's not saying, oh, just do whatever comes um, natural. Um, and so there is that. Um, and I, so it's kind of dramatized. You can dramatize this. This is what I'm using as a framework or a parable that we all know there was a 16th century colonization and there's still one going on if anybody doesn't have eyes to see. Do you think United States of America is colonizing the world? If you go study the last 30 years, uh, France have been trying to protect themselves against our, our movies. So they'd pass these laws. There's only so many of these Hollywood blockbusters. Um, we don't want all our cinema verte to be taken over by Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. So they would protect themselves because we were like the, you know, um, America is doing what you did in the 16th century, you start taking over in a different way. Um, well, although sometimes we use guns, but, um, and that's what this called, by the way, this, this um, guy I met in the library, BYU library said, well, one of the takeaways is those with the guns win. <laughs> and I, I made little notes. Yeah, those with the guns win always. Um, and so uh, we have, gun approximations which is called technology and we also have the power of the purse so forth so yeah france stood, stood no chance because it's people was just doing what's natural i want to see arnold schwarzenegger yeah and that's cool as defined by who by america god bless america and so <laughs> france is still fighting the fight and i i love it and other countries are too the mcdonaldization of the whole world is that a good thing greg uh, for some people who go travel, they're like, oh, I don't know if I like French food. Let's just go to McDonald's. <laughs> Isn't that convenient? And so, yeah, it's going on now. And that's and, and why did God introduce this to my mind? Is because God says, there's a kingdom coming, Greg. It's unlike anything that they've seen before. But it is also like something they've seen before. It's a colonization. There's an actual kingdom with a new king. And it's not King George. Nope. His name starts with a J. And his name is Jesus. And he's coming to colonize the world. And he's going to do it by calling on certain people to do certain things. However that is, just like there'll be the, the Christopher Columbus approximations. And he's already got them in, in the movie. And and people would go kill him right now. The, the kings who like, just like Herod did, they're like, we got to put this down. They would try to kill. <laughs> They'd probably try to kill me. <laughs> But I look too crazy, like that, that's nothing. These are not the droids you seek. So they probably, oh, this is where it's happening. And Jesus in this mess. <laughs> it's too messy. We can't see anything of threat. And and they won't. They just like the Indians didn't see a threat. They, oh, look at this, this is interesting. Some boats come. <laughs> you and I can look at it and go, that's your demise, people. All you people upon this earth, you just let the the cat, and you guys are all mice. And but these are nice cats, <laughs> but the but but the king over there, you're going to see the, all, all these forces, and anyhow, that's uh, Jonathan. I see your hand, but um, so I wanted to honor what you're saying, um, Emily, and also my friend Brad Van Dyke. That's he didn't like colonization. He um, it, it, it was a trigger word, and but it's but that's what God had meant to do in my mind to trigger me. 
provocatively and go like, oh yeah, you're serious. You're going to bring a kingdom and you're going to put down all other kingdoms. This is what I'm reading in the scriptures. It's nothing new in Christianity. But when you frame it like that, and then you kind of start seeing how we're colonizing, that is the United States of America colonizing the whole world. Because um, we're the promised land. Honestly, that's why we're colonizing because God has blessed us with all these things. But we've come to the end of the season. <laughs> and we're 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 going to be replaced um, by, thankfully, this time, the King of Kings. It's it's all over, people. So, anyways, go ahead, Johnson. So many thoughts. It's hard to um, know where to begin. Um, but I'll think I'll start with guns um, and uh, guns and money and force. Um, so. Um, and then I, I want to come back to what, what Emily was talking about with um, with uh, the idea that um, sometimes God does come and there's like a there's like a destruction that comes before His face. Um, your poem ruin. So, I, I thought of your poem ruin. You're in Jesus's poem ruin when when she was talking about that. By the way, I'll, I'll let you go back to it. But I thought the same thing. Well, I'll read that um, today sometime when you guys want me to, um, yeah. or last time. <laughs> we'll do it again because it has a context now. Yeah. So point being is that um, so uh, okay, so guns and guns and money and force. Now the truth is is that guns and money and force are not the most powerful thing. Um, love is the most powerful thing, but love is um has many faces so you know we talk about tough love and so that's that that's what'll bring us back to um to what what emily was saying but um but it's interesting though that that that's not going to be the thing that will um revolutionize the world it's kind of had its it's had its um its day kind of like you were saying greg it's like it's it's well, and you can see the business world is much that way as well. It's much about force. It's like who can get to the top of the charts, who can um, push their way to the top. Um, and so that's beginning, that's about to begin. Well, it's already begun to unravel. Um, but we discover there is a there is a power in suffering. So we we have the example of Christ doing that, and we have the example, a modern example is Gandhi, right? So he decided, I'm not going to, I'm going to, but he basically decided is I'm going to colonize the world with a set of ideas. Now, he was really thinking about colonizing his country with a set of ideas. And if I colonize that the country with this set of ideas, then I know that it will overthrow, it will overthrow the guns and the money. It was a, a fascinating thing. Interestingly, he took much of his um, of his ideas from uh, sacred texts. So um, his own texts of his of his part of the world, but also, um, you know, he quoted Jesus and and he said basically, you know, he was doing what Jesus did. <laughs> You know, and I, I love in the movie, he says, because there's the reporter who's talking to him and he's like, you know, but can you really take all that, you know, because he was saying to the reporter, well, you know, Jesus in your Bible says this, you know, that when your neighbor smites you on the cheek, you should turn the other cheek. And um, and he says, not only is it right, but it's like it has a power when you do that. And, and the reporter saying to him, well, yeah, but I, I wouldn't take it to to basically, you know, take that literally. And, you know, Gandhi just kind of looked at him and he was like, well, you know, what? Um, uh, I can't remember the words, but basically, you know, to, <laughs> I'll paraphrase, but it's like kind of like, why not? It's like, how will it ever have force unless somebody takes it literally? You know, it's like, and it's kind of stupid not to. It's like, it's like if we, you know, if we who are Christians, 
And this is something that goes through my mind because there's people who they'll say that if you're not saying Jesus every time you turn around, that you're not for Jesus. But Jesus didn't say that. What did he say? He said that those who were um, his were those who did what he said. So it's like, so are you telling me that Gandhi was more a Christian than we are? Right. You know, so Gandhi had been colonized, and then he put forth an idea, not just by words, but by his actions. He became willing to suffer the brunt. And this is what happens. What happens when Christ comes into your heart? You start doing all sorts of things that are not in your own self-interest. You know, it's like, it's like because he said he was coming to live with a knife to divide mother and daughter and, you know, and friends. And it's like, you know, when you start to live this way, all hell breaks loose. And so it, 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 um, oh, how do I put it? So the long story short is that this brings it full, full circle. Um, we've talked about it before, and, and I'll close with this. The second coming of Christ and Greg's heard me talk about this in the past. It's like we we always, everybody's thinking about a day when he's going to come in the clouds and we're going to see him. And um, I won't deny that. I, I am totally fine with that. But that's not something that can apply to every human in every age. And what I believe is that there is a way, there is a second coming. And there's a time when Christ comes to your life. And he talks about he talks about his second coming in certain terms. And you know what his terms are? He says, in the day when I will come and speak with earthquakes and tempests. So wait a minute. We were thinking Jesus was going to come down out of the sky and start talking in the way that we talk. But he's saying, no, I'm not going to talk that way when I come. First of all, I'm going to come in a cloud. Well, you can't always see exactly what's in the cloud. So how are you going to know when he's coming? He says, well, here's how you'll know is there will be earthquakes in your life. There will be tempests and storms. That's how I'm coming the second, the second time. And in that case, it could be that he has come the second time to every person on the planet. But the question is, did they see that as Jesus? Did they take it as an opportunity to come closer to Christ, to know him better, to come into his presence? Or did they shake their fist at God? You know, what does it say? They'll curse God and die. You know, or did they, when he came with tempests and earthquakes, did they um, just see it as blind fate, become angry, you know, use more force? You know, you you know, try to get more money and run away from it. So, um, anyways, I'll pass it back. It's like this idea of this idea is is a powerful concept. The idea that Christ is coming to colonize, um, and 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 I'll sorry, I'm going to say one last thing, and I'll just say what I wonder is it's like the thing that's so terrible. It says that, that when he comes, it'll be the great and terrible day. It's a great day, great day, but it's also a terrible day. And I wonder if the reason that it's terrible is because he is the sort of person that will allow you to reap the whirlwind. It's like he's not the one that's always trying to, you know, like rouse you out of bed in the morning to get to school on time. He's the exact kind of person who's like, fine, don't go to school. He's the kind of person who, when you tweak the economy so that it can last a little bit longer, even though you've you've schemed and, and done all sorts of things, you know, it's like he's the kind of person that says, fine, let the economy fall. It's like, it's like, and when it does, and when you're crying in the corner, I'll be there. So I'll pass it back with that. I'm trying to think. I'm just kind of like digesting all that you guys have said. Um, it's a, there's just so many uh, details in there. Yeah. 
I'm like, Jesus is colonizing. I guess I've just never considered it. And that's what I'm just thinking about. Like, you know, how does he colonize in my life or how does he colonize? You know, into other well, actually, you know, what it does remind me of, this is another type of colonization. Um, I can't think of the right word for it right now, but it's more like, um, you know, like a melting pot colonization. You know, like there's a colonization where it's totally replaced. And there's also a colonization that's like a mix of ideas. And I don't know, I just, that just came to my head. And, you know, and I think, I think the way Jesus colonizes just kind of depends on you. You know, like sometimes you have to have a complete change, right? Everything in your life needs to change. Sometimes it's more of a melting pot. And some, I don't know, I don't necessarily think one way is better than the other. I just think it's different. Um, like, I don't know. I'm like, is it easier to have to completely change everything in your life? Or is it easier to just change little things? And I tend to, the changes in my life tend to happen slowly and gradually. Like, I feel like they, they happen or I, you know, I try to say like, oh, I was reborn at this moment, but really it's just like a continual process. However, I do know some people that for them, it was like a moment and they're like totally changed and they changed everything. But then I have to wonder, was it really that moment or is it just many small moments that built up to that one big moment? Um, that's just kind of where my thoughts are. Yeah, yeah totally. I'm just, I don't know. I, I just keep thinking about that idea. Go ahead, Jonathan. Um, I just, um, I'll make mine quick, just that um, uh, I wonder if the difference is that there's a life without Christ, and then there's a life with Christ, and then there's a life with more Christ, right? So it's like um, sometimes when you have none of Christ, he has to, it has to be a tumultuous thing. Sometimes when you have a little Christ, but you've been called to be, um, to walk, you know, a, a more perfect road with Christ, then it has to be a big change. But um, that was what, what went through my mind is just that, is that it's, it's, um, we get the idea that it should, that he's going to convert all of us to looking the same. I don't know if that's the case. I kind of wonder, Emily started all this with talking about when she was 15, that maybe the goal of life was to find out who we really were before and um, to align with that. And it's like, so if that's the case, then we're, it's not like he's trying to create this revolution that'll make us all into one, you know, um, uh, kind of like the Borg. <laughs> no, it's uh, so it's like we can't expect that. You know, he's not. He doesn't come like. Um, I, I wonder if he's he's in the whirlwind, he's in the earthquake, but he's also in the flower, right? So it's like it's like. Um, uh, but the one thing that we know is that more of him, however he comes is better pass it back with that yeah um and so i don't know what it's going to be like but i do know he's already said some of his in-game things he wants us to have a relationship with him like he has the father because that's what he wants to do is present us to the father you're like well i don't want to do that <laughs> you don't have to um but he's not going to let up on you until you have that i mean he's king of kings so you can ignore him and he, he's just exactly what Jonathan says. He's like a laissez-faire parent. That's fine. But he's, he's allowed to use tough love. If you don't think that's Jesus in the tribulations, then you don't understand Jesus. And I get it why some people don't want to um, attribute to Jesus the tribulations that come into their life. They don't have to. Um, but I've found, as I've gotten closer to Jesus, I'm like, oh, that is you, isn't it? Yep, that is you. Um, because the tribulations have come into my life, um, he's helped me, and I've been able to convert those 
to great um, goodness. Um, and then I trust the others he's given me as well. Um, so it doesn't feel like it. So a cold shower doesn't feel like, oh, I just love this cold shower. No, that, that kind of hurts. But um, over time, you can get used to it. So that's the nature of suffering. So over time, you can get used to a spouse that just would drive you nuts, some of the things they did, but you learned patience. How'd you learn patience? Because I'm with a spouse that keeps doing this crap, and it's either be miserable or be patient. Oh, why would you be patient? It just feels better than running around just cussing them in my head. And it's like, well, there's a, there's a solution for that. You just divorce them. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, that'll be good for the kids to be to watch a divorce. That's always turned out well. No, so like Jesus, <laughs> hello, Jesus, you're supposed to be kind. You're letting these things happen. So the kinds of tribulations that people are laboring under, um, yeah, it feels like both. And you can go ahead and do it both. Bad stuff happens, and Jesus lets bad stuff happen for a good purpose. But that's a that's a statement of faith. And I totally get why people like, uh, I can't make that leap. Okay. <laughs> You're still going to have to have the same suffering, um, usually, whether, you know, but maybe it's a di an additional suffering. No, if I separate and say all tribulations just because life sucks, um, that makes me feel better. Okay, then go with that. But that's not how I resolve. And, it's, and that's because we're two different people. So one of the themes that you were talking about is maybe it's different for everybody. I agree. Um, and that, that's what I love about Jesus. He has a one size fits one with me. But I know where his end game is. It's not like, yeah, <laughs> the Borg, you're all going to do everything the same. Unless it is. I don't know. Um, and then I know I'll just be happier because I've learned to trust him. Like he, he, he just wants our happiness. But I do know that he speaks in this language, that there's this people that he's, <clears throat> and I think it's like the first people, I think there'll be waves of these people that adopt this, but they become of one heart and one mind and they dwell in righteousness. And so whatever that is, one heart, one mind, sounds like John Lennon. Imagine all the people living for the word. Um, you know, kumbaya, let's all get together in peace and love in harmony um and there will be a group of people who generally go that way and that and, and we have general tendencies already on earth like americans uh, true blue americans you know and that there's a lot of correlation up and down certain streets where man these people are quite on board in so many respects and you, you see that even religiously uh, though it's kind of fading out, you come back to Utah, like in the 1980s or 1960s, like, oh my goodness, they're all the same, same town, everything's the same, 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 go to Japan, same thing, so as humans, we're okay with quite a bit of sameness, but maybe not all of us are, so in Japan, there's people take their lives, because they're expected to toe the line, and they're not born that way, and they just, they get ostracized, I remember reading books about that, so yeah, how that how that plays out. Um, but I like final comments. I'd like your comments, Jonathan. I made notes actually, because that's um, I'm writing down some fundamental things in my Jesus Greg world that I've come to understand, and that was one of them. I I actually added notes because um, he's having me deliberately put bitter infused Jesus themed rituals, um, religious rituals, into my life. And then he showed me that a lot of these are already right there, Greg. You just need to turn them into religious rituals. So these things that are painful, he's saying, you're going to turn those into, with me, you're going to turn them into a Jesus-themed religious ritual. Um, so my arthritic feet, like, that'll be like fasting. So like, what are you doing today, Greg? Well, my feet are fasting. What do you mean? Well, you know how, how it feels to fast, like to not eat? kind of hurts a little bit that's why people don't do it <laughs> people you fast for all 24 hours there's a reason they're they're freaking out because going without food for 24 hours well that's what's called that hurts that really kind of hurts the being and so people don't don't want to fast 
And so when I wake up, I don't want my feet to hurt. Same kind of thing. It's like, yeah, but feet hurt. Everybody hurts. Yeah, but you know what? You could turn that into a religious ritual. But sometimes people fast and it's a nothing burger. It's just like they're doing it because that's what they religiously are supposed to do. So it's not like there's much difference between them and somebody who forgot to eat. <laughs> so that's really, you say, well, it's kind of a lame fast, right? It's a lame religious fast. To turn it into a religious thing, you've got to start bringing more Jesus into it, like what? Fasting and prayer. So, uh, oh, I'm hungry. And then that becomes a prompt like, oh, I'm hungry. And that reminds me I can't eat, which reminds me God is the provider of all food. Thank you, Jesus, for the food. And I'm glad I don't walk around feeling this hungry all the time. And my hunger reminds me I want to hunger for the things of the spirit and those kind of things. So your, your pain then gets converted into something meaningful. And then some people just love fasting because they're like, like Emily started out off on this theme um, with her awesome art. Sometimes you got to have real chaos and difficulties to find more Jesus. That is, you might be going along okay, but, and sometimes you need to not be okay, like severely not okay, and your life's a mess. And then Emily's claim was, and that's when I was finding more Jesus in my life, which correlates with what Jonathan was saying and with, with what I find as well. And that's what Jesus has taught me. So that's why I was taking notes, Jonathan, is what you're saying, because that's what I accept is like, there's no other way. I don't believe it. Humans, there may be some, but I'm just going to say 99.9% uh, .9 of us have to have some pretty serious tribulations in order to turn our hearts deeper to an invisible God. Um, and I've talked a lot with Jesus about this, and he'll, uh, he'll ask me, Greg, is there any other way? And I said, there's no other way. Because he's told me about these tribulations that are coming, and they're a blessing. What I realize is he only does good. So um, does he, is he going to make the economy fall? No, he's going to allow it. So I'm, I'm with Jonathan. It's like, we are summoning these things by our own hands. Well, what do you mean? By our own choices. Um, but we don't know how to do better. Oh, we do. We do, um, but not within these circumstances. You're right. Like if you're a congressman and you want to keep getting your votes, we don't know how to keep getting voted in and take stuff away from people. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know how to do that either because they're not going to vote for you if you start taking away their goodies. So if you want to stay in Congress, you got to play ball with the other congressmen, which collectively is going to ruin the wider economy, but not this year. Um, and so... A lot of these things, bottom line, are going to be summoned by our own hands. <laughs> like, well, why didn't you just tell them no? Uh, because I wouldn't have got elected and then I'd be un ineffective at all because I wouldn't be in there. Well, we need to get somebody who will stand up. Yeah, right. Um, it's, it's like a weird matrix that you're going to vote those people out if they don't, if they start doing stuff that, they don't provide, you know, for Utah, get your, get rid of that representative. Um, and anyhow, um, that's summoned by their own hand. That was one of them. And then what, what has to happen is you have to face that tribulation. Like, like you said, Jonathan, I, I actually wrote that. Jesus lets you stay in bed. Oh, he's so nice. He lets you stay in bed. He lets you misspend money. That is so nice. Until when? <laughs> until you lose your job because somebody didn't wake you up. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Until you run out of money and you're like, we don't have any more money. They won't take smiles at Walmart. They want money. Why didn't you tell me to be more responsible with my money, Jesus? Because I love you and I want you to feel what it's like to fast. I've been trying to get you to fast for a long time. Well, I'm fasting now. <laughs> That's right. Can you cry unto me? Okay, go ahead, Jonathan, because I go on all day. I think it's funny sometimes what Jesus does. I'm sorry. Um, well, it's just, but, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say it's, it's, um, it's because we believe that we believe that all this stuff is the point. It's like we think that the money is the point or we think that having the house what we want is the point or that the... It's like, it's like, and this is the very thing 
it's like it, it was never the point. You know, when we were in the pre-mortality, we didn't we didn't all get together and say, you know what I want to learn when I get down there? I want to learn how to manage money. Do you think anybody said that? No. Do you think anybody said, you know, what I really want to learn when I get down there is I want to learn, you know, how to get a bigger house because the last life I had, I had a small house. And, you know, that's the really the point of my existence. So therefore, you know, it's like, so, so, you know, we talk about, and the, the funny thing is, it's like, I hesitate to talk too much about impending doom and the fact that the economy is going to fall. It's like Greg said many times, everybody knows it. You know, everybody knows we're waiting to reap the whirlwind. It's like they watch, you know, Congress doing this and that. <laughs> like, like this is can't last, you know, but it's like, what the truth is, is that it's nothing new. It's like, for me, it's like the economy already fell. It's like my personal economy already fell. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I've I've stood on a street corner with a sign and, you know, and begged for for means because something, you know, something broke inside of me. And, um, you know, it was like there was a period I literally could not get my body to get out of bed and go to work. It's like it just was the way it was. I would get deathly 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 ill by just working it was like and and the only thing that i could do was to beg and it's like and everybody thinks it's like oh that would be the worst thing that could ever happen to me but you know what it's not it's not the worst thing that could ever happen to you you know it's like it's like and so it's it's it was, I'll just say, close with the fact that it was never the point. The idea is that we have a life in Christ. And why, you know, why did we come here? I think it's the very thing that Emily was saying in the beginning. It's like, before we came here, we had an idea of what really mattered. We had an idea of what was really important and what are we all longing for? And it's different for different people. I think we, but it all has to do with love. But I think all of us, when we came down, it's like, well, I want to learn this aspect of what it's like to be more like Christ. I want to learn this aspect of what it's like to be more like Christ or that aspect. And it's all a great menagerie, a beautiful tapestry of, of different desires toward love. And so we all have to have these differing experiences that teach us. Um, and it's like, it's like, so it's, so it's like, it, it's good to touch on the fact that there, you know, there is an impending problems in our own society, but it'll come and go. It'll come. We'll have a rough time for a few years, maybe a few decades, and we'll repent. We'll realize it's like, it's not good to print a lot of money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But if all we get out of it at the end of it is to think it's not good to print a lot of money, we haven't learned anything. Yeah. Yeah. We that's haven't right. learned anything. And we'll pull back and, you know, give it a couple decades and we'll be doing better. And, you know, but the truth is, I'll just, I'll turn it back with this. It's like, it's like the point is something totally different. And um, that's what we all long for. I'll turn it back. So, no, that's good. We're coming close to the, the end, but we'll, ask Emily if she's got anything any thoughts that are formulated yeah I do have a lot of thoughts actually but I'll try to keep them short um couple thoughts uh so one I think because Jesus is a personal savior you know um part of one of the things I'm trying to learn is to um you know everybody can have a different version of Jesus or of God or of their life and just being accepting of others and of their beliefs or lack of beliefs, you know, and just having that, that love and acceptance. But the other thing I thought of, like you said, oh, we don't come here to learn about money. However, um, I do think that money teaches many important lessons and there's managing and there's like stewardship and there's managing what you've been given. And so it's really amazing to me, for example, like what can be done with the same means or with the same or similar properties. So for example, um, like my husband and I, we have like, you know, our little quarter acre of land and um, we put a lot of time and a lot of money into our property, into our house. Uh, we enjoy it. We enjoy making it better. Um, 
And a lot of people, they've come to us and be like, wow, did you guys just buy like a really crappy house? Honestly, our house wasn't that bad. I think that probably at least 75% of the people, if they bought our house, would have done absolutely nothing to it. They would have just left it and been like, it's fine. And then, but we just like it. To, we like to go places and make things better than we left them, right? It's something we find great pleasure and great enjoyment in. And I, I think a lot about money and things like with my kids, we always have this discussion. They're like, why can't I just go buy whatever I want? Or you have this money. Why can't you go? And this is like a real conversation with my kids like two weeks ago. You have money. Why can't we just go buy like a $2,000 arcade machine, mom? You have enough money. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to spend my money on that. And so this is whole thing that's like choices. I'm like, yeah, but if I choose that, then I'm choosing not to do all these other things. Like I'm like, I'm choosing like, hey, our vehicles are getting kind of old. Replacing a car gets pretty expensive. And I want to make sure I have enough that if something like that happens, I can go buy another vehicle and we can be able to get places. Versus me being like, hey, I don't have a car, but at least I have an arcade machine, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and so we talk, I've talked a lot with my children. And I, so I actually do think there's a lot of lessons again for money, like personal money management. I think there's a stewardship. I think there's the whole idea. And I keep thinking, I mean, I, I know people compare this before, but I think about the parable of the talents, right? Where there's all like what you do with what you've been given. But that being said, there's different circumstances, different life happens, different people have different capabilities. You know, everyone has a different thing. And I don't know, I'm just throwing out there that I think there's lessons to be learned everywhere, I guess. And I think knowing how to manage, but it's not just knowing how, but sometimes circumstances like um, Jonathan was saying are way beyond your control. There's like a physical or a emotional or some um, kind of mental thing going on. And maybe at the time, you know, you can't do what society says you should be able to do. Um, and then that's a whole nother challenge. Um, and that's something we face with my family too. Like my husband, like he is, he's trying to work through, he has some stuff, I think kind of like what you've said, Jonathan, where he gets like physically ill, like when he tries to go to work and like when he tries to do things and it's, it's like there's just some things there that he's got to work through. And part of it has to do with um, part of his genetics. Um, but part of, you know, I don't know. There's just, I don't understand all of it. I'm just saying everybody's different, I guess, is what I'm saying. I'm just trying to say, like, there's one of the things I like about this talking with you guys is a lot of times I don't agree with the two of you, but sometimes I do. But I like being able to talk and be like, we don't have to all agree. It's just what I'm trying to say. Like, I think that's important. And I think that a true... Um, for lack of a better phrase, a, a true like Zion society is just where you're accepting people with where they're at and with their differences of opinions and their differences of needs and their differences of just differences and just being like, um, I don't know, at least that's what I'm working towards of being like, hey, we can have these different religious opinions. We can have these different things. And I'm trying to to learn to to be okay with that. Like, it's hard though. It's hard for me to sometimes, it's hard. I think what it is, it's the whole idea of wanting to be right right <laughs> and thinking i'm right you're wrong and so it's like that whole idea of being like well i'm right i think this organization does all these bad things therefore i don't support it but then at the same time other people feel like they do a lot of good things and it should be i should be at least as open with them and be like well that's their right to support you know like that's their choice and is it bad you know and i think um so my family is like well it has to do with intent you know if your your intent is to be giving and to help those in need. Because the thing I always, so Jonathan, I'd really be interested to hear more about your time of, of being homeless sometime because I always have this conundrum. Whenever I see homeless people, like, do I give them money or not? Because growing up, my, my parents were always like, if you give them money, they're just going to go buy drugs with it. You know, and so like, I think we've all heard that, you know, and so then you're like, stop. Uh, so I don't understand. I would love some time to actually talk about that more. If you're willing to, just because I've never known, like, so I get stuck, like, half the time I'm like, do I give, do I not give, do I give food, but then maybe they don't want to eat that food, or they're tired of having a billion hamburgers, you know, or like, do I, you know, and so there's just always this stuck, like, I always, I guess what it is, is I always want to do the right thing, but in circumstances like that, I don't know the right thing, and that's where God comes in, like, even with, um, I think about my family and some of their choices and things they've gone through, um, a thought that came to my mind a, a couple weeks ago with a particular family situation where I was angry at a family member for some of their choices and things they've done in their life. 
and I was trying to forgive them. And the thought that came to me from God, and I don't know if I talked about this, but the thought that came to me was God was saying, vengeance is mine and I will repay. And to me, what that was saying was God is the judge. I just do what I think is best. And I let God judge this, whatever is going on there. Like he understands. And if it's that I need to help out someone then I help, you know, I don't know. Those are just all of my thoughts that keep stirring through my head as you guys have been talking. You know, no, I don't. always want to know. I'm, a, Yeah, I'm a very much a black and white thinker. So I want to know, like, yes, you always give to people on the corner. Or, and sometimes, I mean, I'm guessing, and this is me just theorizing, sometimes their life circumstances might be that they do need it. But then I also always get stuck because my mom, when she was single, uh, went on a couple of dates with a guy once, and she was like, oh, what do you do for work? And he's like, oh, I'm a panhandler. And he drove like a really nice car and he had like nice phone, nice stuff. And then he had like his costume, I guess you could say for Pam. Like she actually knew someone that did that. And so then you get that kind of circumstance too. Anyway, those are just all my thoughts. I just never know what to do, what's right. That's that's the answer. I don't know. <laughs> well, and that's, that's why we need lots of Jesus um, because life is complicated. Uh, um, if we do talk about homeless, uh -oh. um, or, or if you guys talk about homeless, oh, um, the the understanding that the oftentimes homeless actually have homes. If you if you scale back to the worldwide, that I I know there's people in Salt Lake that they're talking about as being homeless, but they have a home. The Native Americans that lived like in my county, which wasn't a county back then. They were living actually lower. They weren't homeless. They had a teepee, a thing called a teepee, or sometimes they had grass huts. So we would define them as homeless. <laughs> and that would be a major bias. Yeah, these people didn't know how to build homes. We don't even recognize Native Americans of ever having homes because they're idiots. They didn't know how to build homes. Um, well, that's got some real bias to it. And then, so all of a sudden we decide, you guys are homeless, why? Well, because you're living here and you don't, you don't have a deed to a house. Well, I got my, I own my house, it's a tent. Anyhow, that's, that's the, the path that my mind travels, which is a deeper path of, let's get to the root of this. What, um, because uh, there's governmental the definitions of homeless. And if you moved in with your parents, you're homeless. You're still homeless. <laughs> if, you, if, if you have a family, by choice, they go, you know what? Instead of living in a tent in Salt Lake, I'm just going to live with my grandparents. Well, you're still homeless, uh, according to government definitions. You go get whatever resources. And other people would feel so bad for you. Oh, that's too bad you live with your family. Yeah, like they did 150 years ago, normally. So there's cultural biases and so forth. And um, so... I guess what I'm saying in relationship to what you were saying, Emily, it is pretty complicated. And so we get to formulate our little theories and act on them and then just do that till we die. Um, and we can have our opinions. We can feel right about them. And I think the thing to do is do it with kindness because if somebody else, um, what you can't dispute very well is, no, sir, great. There's not a government definition of homeless. <laughs> well, you can deny the truth, but there is. I've looked it up. You can Google it. No, they don't have homes. Those are the homeless themselves talk about the tent as being their home and their stuff. This is my stuff inside my house, just like you guys, you know. And so that you can find, but it's a, you know, you can say it's an, uh, a, a manipulated truth because the truth is. I always look really good as a provider. If you just take our other brothers and sisters worldwide, billions of people whom, man, I'm able to provide because I've been America for my family really well. They, they'll, most of them will live till they're 80 years old, but there's other countries where the expect life expectancy is like 55 or whatever. It's, uh, Sierra Leone is one of them, one of the low, low. And um, so anyhow, that's that for me, anyone who wanted to seriously discuss these things, my mind just goes there. Like, let's look at the whole, the whole thing. Um, and but that's where I go. And you don't have to, because I, I, I get where people are like, no, let's just keep it simple. Uh, 
no worldwide references. Uh, we, we'll take as um, the norm whatever's uh, considered right within uh, middle class America, or especially like religious at LDS. We're going to use those definitions. And you know what I'm talking about, Greg? Yep, I know what the traditional ones are, but you're moving away from the ultimate truths. And if you're comfortable with that, we can have those discussions, but I'm going to have a hard time bringing my heart to something where you've artificially eliminated some truths that are relevant because that's, I'm, I'm a Jonathan. We came here for a reason. Those are pretty broad truths. And that's what I'm basically sold on, which is very broad truths. Let's tell the truth. If you've got food, clothing, shelter, tools, somebody to love in this world, you're doing pretty good compared to what billions of people, correct. There's people who don't have those things. Okay, go ahead, Jonathan. Good, I'll make this my closing comment. So um, I really appreciated um, uh, that perspective as well, Emily. It's like, I, I actually think there's a reason why, for whatever reason, God and his providence had the three of us come together um, to talk um, and uh, to keep having these conversations because um because we're coming at it from three different angles and um let's plan on i would like to have a talk about um this very thing um so so it might be something to start out with next time or something um but um so uh what was i going to say basically i wanted to just address um that I believe that 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 your your stance on it is right. It's like it's um uh but but I kind of wonder I I had the thought, give me two seconds. It was it was about Christ. Um it's like it's what was I gonna say? It was about something of Christ is the thing that makes the difference. So it's like it's like all of us come to learn different lessons, and some of us need to be poor to learn those lessons. Some of us need to be have more money and more means to learn those lessons. Um, and and so so two things. Number one is that um, I think you encapsulated it well. It's like it, the idea is that money is a means to an end. It's just that some are blessed with more of it, and some are blessed with less of it. And um, um, I want to have that discussion. The other thing that occurs to me is that no matter where we find ourselves on the spectrum of all this, Christ can make it better. I think that was what I wanted to say. It's like, I'm really amazed with myself right now. Like I've now had two jobs that I've been able to hold down and, and excel at. You know, the, the job I left recently, I was there for over a year and a half which is just that you don't realize what a miracle that is for me. But one of the things I learned was like my job, what I do for a living has to feel deeply meaningful. And if it doesn't, my body will literally start shutting down and I will start to die. Like, like there have been times it felt like death was close. It's like, it's like, um, and I just didn't know that. <laughs> Here I am in my late forties and I'm realizing, oh, if I'm going to function in this world, I have to have these particular things lined up or else I just can't do it. And so um, who would have known? I didn't know that at 18 years old when I left home. You know what I mean? Um, if somebody would have given me a guidebook. Um, and so that's where we, we end up needing to have compassion when we see people who are kind of in the gutter. It's like, we don't always know. Well, maybe they're one of those people who just didn't understand early on in life what would make their life work. And so, you know, their life just became, so they just had to hide away in the meth or whatever, because it's the only way they could figure out to cope with the fact that their life wasn't working out. And what I wanted to say, this is the last thing, is that Christ can make it better if we find Christ, that's what I'm discovering is that I didn't read some book. I didn't read some book that told me, if you do this, you can improve your financial situation. You know what I did is I just followed the voice. 
I followed a voice within, and it led me on a journey. And you know who it was? It was Christ. And he led me on a journey to where now I'm starting to get better. My financial life, I'm, you know, people were to people who kind of disowned me a long time ago, if they were to look, they're like, oh, hey, look, he's making some better choices. But it didn't come by by reading books. It came by the fact that Christ entered into my life and it was rough for a while. But now it's starting to look better because of him. And that's who we're giving praise to. That's who we're talking about each Sunday. So anyways, let's talk about it more next time. But I, I um, thank you for bringing the balance to my comments with that. So I'll pass it back. I love it. Okay. Emily, any of the last thoughts? Bye. Nope, I was just saying amen, and, and let's talk about it next time. I'm actually, I've actually been really intensely curious about this. Uh, probably like the whole time we've been talking, I should have asked about it before, but I guess it just didn't come <laughs> up. I've been intensely curious. Um, so yeah. Oh, good. Look forward to it. It'll give us something more to talk about. That'd be awesome.